Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts. Bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. When I was serving a parish in North Carolina, we discerned a need in the community for fresh produce. The many feeding ministries in the area had plenty of non-perishable food, but none of the fresh vegetables that are so important to a healthy diet. So we decided to start a garden. But the plot of land chosen by our intrepid gardeners was a very unlikely spot. The parish had recently finished a large construction project with a new parish hall and a commercial kitchen and classroom and office space. And the patch of earth chosen for the garden was where the construction trailer once stood. So the ground was barren, littered with gravel and debris, chunks of concrete, cigarette butts, and Fritos bags. But this was the patch that was chosen, so we prayed over it, sprinkled holy water on it, tilled it. The children picked out the gravel and the rocks. We sort of made a game out of it, and we planted. I was, in public, optimistic, but I must confess to you that I was doubtful that anything could come out of such a derelict piece of dirt. I was so wrong. The ground burst with greens and squash and cucumbers and tomatoes. The tomatoes were especially prolific. They, they seemed to grow legs and they spread all over the campus. Till literally months later, we would be doing something else in some other part of the property and what would be there but those dagblam tomatoes. My faith was weak when I doubted this garden. I should have known that by calling upon God to enter into our endeavor, and thanks to the hard work and sweat of many dedicated people, that something miraculous would happen. I was reminded of that moment this week when I read our Old Testament reading, for it too is a story of barrenness, of faith, and of abundance. Elijah goes to the wilderness, a familiar location in Scripture, and he sits under a tree. He is tired and ragged. He asks God if he might die. He asks God if he might die. And he goes to sleep. And suddenly an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked, and there was a cake and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank became strong again. You might ask yourself why Elijah is so low. Quite simply, he was a wanted man. Turn the page back one chapter in the book of Kings, and we find one of the most exciting scenes in all of the Old Testament, Elijah's triumph over the priests of Baal. Arab, excuse me, Ahab, the then ruler of Israel, has forsaken the Lord and instead worships this false god, Baal. So Elijah asks Ahab to assemble all of Israel on Mount Carmel 
And there he will challenge the 450 prophets of Baal to a prophecy off. 450 to 1. Great odds. The 450 prophets of Baal gather around one altar and Elijah around another. And on each altar is placed a bull. And the first prophet to convince their God to rain fire upon their altar and consume the bull will win the faith of Ahab. The prophets of Baal go first. And they pray, and they cry, and they moan, and they rave, and nothing happens. And Elijah says, and this is truly some stupendous shade. Elijah says, cry louder. Surely he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he has wandered away, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Eventually, the prophets of Baal give up. So Elijah, spiking the ball again, pours water all over his bull and of his altar, creating this wet, soggy mess that would be impossible to ignite. Then, being a good Episcopalian, he reads a quick prayer, and boom! The rain of fire from the true God falls upon the bull and the altar and everything in sight. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord indeed is God. And Elijah drives the prophets down from the mountain, across the valley to the river, and there they die. So because of what happened to the prophets of Baal, Elijah, despite his heroic heroic acts on the mountain and restoring the true faith of Israel, Elijah becomes a fugitive with a death sentence. As they say, no good deed goes unpunished. So Elijah goes to the wilderness. And there in the wilderness, Elijah encounters God. Why do we so often encounter God in the wilderness? Is it because the wilderness is beautiful? Is it because the wilderness we have in the wilderness we have less control? Do we consciously or unconsciously seek God in the wilderness? While in normal life we are distracted by so many noises and errands and frustrations that God gets drowned out? Dr. Amy Ogden suggests that the wilderness is a place of not knowing. She writes, we need to be willing to be in such places of not knowing, where there are no easy answers or quick fixes. While this can be uncomfortable, it can also be freeing. Sitting with our unknowing can open us up for holy presence. Rather than getting busy planning, managing, figuring it all out, we can become simple aware of all that we do not know, and surrender to this spacious wilderness, trusting God to meet us here. A lot happens in the wilderness. And when we go to the wilderness, we are fed. God provides when we venture boldly, when we seek the unknown, when we dare to enter the uncomfortable place. Like that ridiculous garden planted in that most unlikely place, God happens out there. 
there's a problem. When we go to the wilderness, when we encounter God in the wilderness, when we are nourished by God, when we go there, as the kids say, we are often given or reminded of a call, a mission, a growing edge that we need to engage. And that is frightening. We go to the wilderness to commune, to rest, and now it feels like we have one more thing to do, one more thing to worry about. But again, remember that we will be fed, and be fed abundantly. Like Elijah being fed for 40 days with one cake, like the unlikely produce of that garden, God will provide the bread of life when we go to that place we fear most. And when we go there, God will be with us. Go with God to the place of not knowing, of growth, and of adventure. There we will know God. There we will be fed. And there, finally, we will have peace.